you know, where, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and, and grab them, or you can grab one in the back, you know, uh, and so I've been, you know, get, Kelly and I get invited to all these, you know, uh, graduation parties, and so I had a graduation party yesterday afternoon, and uh, someone came up, hey, we, we live up near Lake Erie, we, we join you online there, had someone uh, last week during the 11 o'clock service, or 9 o'clock, I can't remember, uh, thanks Josiah, texted me that they were watching the, our worship service while they were on top of Cadillac Mountain, you know, like up in Bar Harbor, Maine. I was like, I want to be there for worship with you guys. And so wherever you are this summer, I know, you know, like I've talked to people going to the Outer Banks. We're going to the Outer Banks. And the cool thing about this series is you can just pick it up right where we are, wherever you are. Um, you can follow along on YouTube if you miss, or you can, um, as a family, you can kind of join in together uh, around the TV uh, before you head out to, to do whatever you're going to do while you're on vacation. And um, so we just want you to bring your Bibles with you when you're here. Uh, we're going to be writing on them. We're going to be, you know, underlining and circling, putting words out on the margin. And like, we just, I want to just kind of walk beside you to equip you. If, you, if you're newer to reading the Bible, and uh, this is a great place to start. If, if you've been, you know, reading the Bible for a while, uh, you know, I hope that you'll be getting some things that are going to really challenge you and stretch you in your faith as well. Um, and so really, I, I want all of us to really to, to hunger and thirst for God's word. Right, that I, I want us to be equipped, whatever season of life that you're in, whatever you're walking through, that you think, you know what, I need to go to God's word. I need to read God's word so that I know what it is that God wants for my life in this season, for my marriage, for my kids, for my parents, whatever it might be. Like We, we want to raise our kids in God's word. We want to raise our students in God's word. We want to root our, our marriages and our singleness in God's uh, word. And so we're as we're walking through this, one of the things I am challenging all of us to do this summer is to memorize the first chapter of 1 John. And so what I want to do today is I, I want to start with the first verse. And we looked at this last week, but I want to start right here and, and, and kind of walk you through one of the ways that helps me to memorize Scripture. Right, we're going to memorize the first chapter, which is 10 verses. So this is just the first one. And this is the longest verse in those first 10 verses. So let's, let's read this out loud together, okay? Loud and proud. Okay, ready? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Now, I don't know if you noticed, whenever I was reading that, I was doing some hand motions, right? I'm, I'm a physical learner. I like to see things and hear things, and just it makes it kind of take root for me. And so I, I think about verbs, right? Verbs are action-oriented. And so I, I start moving my hands according to the verbs. So it says, which we have heard. Can you do this? Like, come on. Like, you're at the kids' ministry. Come on, you can do this, Right? Right, what we've seen, put, seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, right, which we have touched, and which we have proclaimed. And, and so those simple actions, right? The reason we teach our kids this way is because that's how we learn. Right? And we as adults are like, I'm above that. No, we're not. Come on. So, so let's read this again, but let's all of us right, use the hand motions to help us through it. All right, you ready? Okay. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. 
So like you are, are, are on your way to memorizing the, the first verse of the first chapter of 1 John. And so I, throughout this series, just, we're going to continue to go back and we're going to walk through this and, and memorize this uh, together. So, so last week we started this series and gave you a little bit of background, said, you know, the author is John, he's the author of the Gospel of John, but he wrote these three letters. And we're just looking at the first letter, and he, he's the pastor of, these, of some churches, right? I think maybe they were multi-site like we are. Right? And, and he's really, he's a, as he's writing to these churches, he's addressing some, some disputes and some issues that are going on in the life of the church. Right? This is the, the first century church. And I'm like, whoa. Some of the things that they were dealing with in the early churches, some of the same things that we are dealing with in the church in the 21st century, like some things, that they, they never change. And, and so, like, so last week we, we looked at, at 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. We looked at three key words, incarnation, fellowship, and joy. And we, we wrote those words in kind of the margin of our Bibles. And so we said, Jesus came in the flesh, right? the incarnation, fully God, fully man. Right? And, and we enjoy fellowship, and that's, that word is koinonia, koinonia in, in the Greek. Right? We enjoy fellowship with ourselves, like among us, but we also enjoy fellowship vertically with our heavenly Father. And, and as we see, as we get into God's word, as we run to the light, as we just sang, as we root ourselves in God's word, and as we see people taking ownership of their faith and new people coming to faith in Jesus, like it's, our joy is going to be made complete. And so I, I think that's an important way to, to start off because in our world today, like there's, there's so much negativity, there's so much division and, and fighting and we're we are invited by John to, to, to look to his word, to, to look to Jesus, and, and really to, to look to our, our fellowship among ourselves and, and, and upward towards God in, in a world that's tearing us apart that we might find joy. And so like, this is where we're going to pick it up today in, in 1 John chapter 5, verse, verse 5 through 10. And, and I said earlier, my Bible version is the NIV. I, I know some people, like I had a guy come up to me after the last service, he's like, that's Chris. I'm King James, man. Got to do King James. I'm like, good for you. That's great. Had somebody else say they had the living word or something like that. I'm like, that's great. I, I, I'm, the version doesn't matter to me. As much as that we're, we're doing this, we're, we're, we're carrying our Bibles, we're, we're opening them up, and, and we're reading them and studying them and applying them to our lives. And so in places where there, there might be a, a kind of different words um, in your version versus mine, I, I'll try to point some of those places out to, to help us along. So let me read these first uh, five verses here, five to ten, um, and then we'll come back and, and walk through them. John writes, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word has no place in our lives. Okay, so first of all, I, I, I want to give you the good news, right? And, and 
John begins in verse 5 giving us the good news. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And so whenever I, I think God is light, I pull out my, my flashlight, right, and I kind of think, you know, I'm physically, I need to see things, right? And, and God is he's saying to us, God is light. Like, God is holy. Whenever we, we talk about God being light, we're saying that he is holy. And so that's why we, we finished with that sentence that says, we write this to make our joy complete. Now, oftentimes, and I think in our world today, we're, you know, we're so self-centered, and we, we, we think that, you know, we, we focus on ourselves. We think joy, our, our happiness, it, it begins with, with, in getting what we want, what we need. If, if I could just get this, if I could just accomplish that, then, then I'd be happy. Right? And what, what I would think that, that John is trying to do in this letter, he's trying to, to flip the, the tables on us and to, to change the way that we think. That instead of thinking about ourselves first, that we're, we're actually we're thinking vertically first. And we're, we're going to see that in, in this, this, this first chapter. And, and so in your Bible, it says, you know, God is light. So if, if you're writing with your pen, you know, in your Bible, underline God is light. Right? And then on, on the side, like here's a picture of my Bible, right? And I wrote holy next to God is light. And so God is light, it means that God is the source and measure of all that is true. God is holy means that he is set apart. He's nothing like anything or anyone else in the universe. In fact, if you've got your Bibles, turn real quick back to Genesis chapter 1, the very first like, chapter of the Bible. Right? And look at verses 3 and 4, and, and we see that John, he's, he's reminding the people in his church about what's written here in Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says, And God said, Let there be light. And it was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. So if you're writing your Bibles, right, underline light. There's, there's three different places where it says light, and, and underline the place where it says darkness. And, and, and then circle the word separated. Right? And, and off to the side, you can write the word holy and, and 1 John 1, right? This, so you're connecting the dots. So if you're opening up your Bible and you're like, hey, I'm going to read from the beginning, you're like, oh, like, this is what John was writing to his church in 1 John. Like you're, you're connecting, you're like, all of the Bible is, is connected to, to, it, to one another. And, and, and so like, maybe in your Bible, instead of saying separated, maybe it, it says the word divided or space in between. Right? And, and so whatever that phrase is there, that's, that's the one that, that means holy. In other words, God is perfectly good. And so throughout the Bible, like we, we see this contrast, and it starts right here in the very first chapter of the Bible between good and evil and light and darkness. Right? There's this separation. Holy means to be separate from, completely different from. That's God, our Heavenly Father. And that's the, that's the good news that, that John wants his church and, and our church to hear today. He is unlike anything or anyone else. He is perfectly faithful and just. Okay, flip back to, to 1 John again. Okay, moving on to verse 6. Now I've got to give you some bad news. All right? Sorry about this, but we have to talk about it. So John writes this next. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. 
So the reality is, if you look around, there's not a single perfect person in this room. There's not a single perfect person that's joining us online. We're all sinners. And, and so in your Bibles, if you're writing them, underline the word darkness. And, and, and write sin, the word sin, beside do not live. Or, or maybe in your Bible it might say do not practice. Right? That's sin. It's how we're living our everyday, everyday ordinary lives. And so what John is going to do over, over the next like, six verses, from 1 John 1, 6 through 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, he's actually going to talk about sin six different times. Like every verse. Right? And, and sometimes more than once per verse. And, and so what he's saying is, oh, come on, wait, let's just be honest with our, can we just be transparent with ourselves? Like we, we, we don't simply just sin occasionally. Right? But the, the problem is that we are sinners at the, at the core of our being. It, it, it's a part of who we are. It's, it's our nature. We, we all have this, this bent towards sinning, uh, of disobeying God. It's like, hey, we've got this light that is coming into our lives. And you know what? When, when we go, when we leave this place, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to be like, we're going to cut that off. We're going to shut that off. No more light from me. Right? And I'm going to live in the darkness. And, and so like, he's like, this is, this is the reality of, of so many of our lives. Like, sin is rebellion against God. It, it's refusing to hear what God is saying, to read what God is saying, and then to apply it to our lives. And many of us, we know what God is saying to us, and we're like, and, and we just, we turn the other way. We turn away from God. And I wonder... In the midst of all of the, the busyness of our lives and the running faster and faster and faster, do we ever hit the pause button and just, and just sit quietly and, and, and realize just like the, the gravity of our sin? Like if I just think about my life in the last 24 hours and the things that I thought about and the things I said, the things I didn't say, things I did and then I just, I open up God's word. I'm like, wait, God is, is holy. He's perfect. He's, he's faithful. He's just. And I'm like, oh, I'm the exact opposite. I mean, uh, we're, we're sinners. We're, we're imperfect. We're, we're prone to evil. We're, we're unfaithful to God. And because of that, we deserve his judgment. I, I told you this was the bad news, Right? We don't like to go down this road. Like we just want, we want everything to be like rainbows and unicorn. Oh, you're, you're, you're okay. You're fine. You're a good person. Right? And, and, and as a, but here's the thing. Like we, we, we've turned. We, we, and intentionally sometimes and unintentionally other times, we, we turn from the light to the darkness, John is saying. Right? And, and, and so because of that, as a result of that, we, we, we deserve... The, the, the just judgment of our sin before a holy God, which is eternal death. Hell is a real place of eternal existence. Look, I, I love you guys. There, there's nobody out in the world that's going to be, be like saying, hey, the, the reality of, of the, your, the core of your nature is going to be bent towards sin. Right? I, I want you to know that, that this is where we stand apart from Jesus. 
Like if you're here for the first time and you don't know Jesus, like, like this is not a happy picture. It's not a good picture. And, and that's why we, like we have to talk about it because we gotta be real with one another. And, but here, here's, here's the thing. Like, I, I think that you know, a lot of people today, they'll, they'll, they'll look at God and they'll hear kind of some stories about God and the Bible and everything and they'll ask, well, come on, man. Like how, how can a good and, and loving God punish sinners? How can a good and loving God send people to hell? And I think John, what John's trying to do is he's trying to flip the question. Instead, instead I think he's, he's asking us to think, like, why? I mean, God, how can you, being a, a good and holy and perfect God, allow sinners into heaven? It's changing our, our focus from ourselves onto our Heavenly Father. Right? We, like, we can't do anything on our own to earn our, our eternal eternity into heaven. It, it's, it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in, in Jesus alone. And so we, we, we stand here in the, the reality of, of the brokenness inside of us. And I think John wants to, us to, to feel the, the weight of, the, of our sinfulness because he, in the next verse, he's going to give us the, the greatest news that we could ever possibly hear oh, in, in any time in our lives. Look what he writes in verse 7. He says, but, but in, in light of everything I just said about darkness and lying and all that kind of stuff, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So God died, Jesus died for God. And so, so here's what I want you to do. If you're writing in your Bibles, underline the word light, the two times that it's there. Circle the word blood and circle the word purifies. Maybe in your Bible it, it says cleanses, right? And, and so if you were listening just a second ago, I said Jesus died for God. And you're probably thinking, wait, don't you mean that Jesus died for us? Right? Well, but remember, we're shifting our perspective here, right? Less about us, more about God. And yes, later on in 1 John, we're going to see that Jesus absolutely died for us. He went to the cross and he shed his blood for, for us. But it wasn't just for us. Jesus, his death actually ultimately was for God. We're not the center of the universe. God is. And so we, I think what John is doing is he, he's, he's remembering in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's remembering how, how he and John and, and Peter and James were in the garden kneeling there with Jesus and, and, and the prayer that Jesus prayed there. In John chapter 12, verses 27 and 28, here's what, here's what Jesus prayed. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. So according to Jesus, what drove him to the cross? To glorify his Father in heaven. Right? And in one crowning moment in all of human history, Jesus died to satisfy the wrath of God that is due to sinners. While at the same time, showing this immeasurable love of God to us sinners. And I'm telling you, that is the greatest news you will ever hear. 
That no, no matter what's happening in your life, that, that, that God is, is, loves you and cares for you. And he's willing to sacrifice his son for you to take care of, of the wrath that he has towards sin. But then John wants to give us a warning. Look at verses 8 to 10. <clears throat> John writes, If we claim to be without sin, we, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So John is setting up a, a dichotomy here between the words claim and confess. And so if you're writing your Bibles, go ahead and, and circle the word claim the two times that it's there. And, and uh, maybe it says, maybe your version says say. If we say we have not sinned, right? Maybe whatever, maybe claim or say. Uh, and then you can circle the word confess as well. And so what he's saying is, look, church, if you claim to be without sin, that, that's, that's self-deception, and the reason that, that, we, we, that we are deceived is because we have not put God's word into our hearts. We haven't decided that we're going to live it out. And so I think what he's doing is he's, he's, he's addressing a problem, a very real practical problem that's going on in his church at the time. And he knows, like, hey, when you're, when you're converted, when you, when you confess your sins and you proclaim that, that Jesus is the Lord and Savior for your life, like, the truth takes up residence in your heart. We, we receive the Holy Spirit in that moment. The truth is a person. His name is Jesus. And, and so the, the light of God, it, it comes into our hearts. And, and so here, here's this, this important point that I think John wants us to get that whenever we become a follower of Jesus, all of the sin, our sin nature, it's not all immediately driven out of our heart and our life. This is a battle that will continue in your life and my life every day for the rest of our lives. And so, like, so like when God's light enters us, when we proclaim Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, what it does, that, that light, it reveals sin. Right? And, and so, the, so the mark of, of a disciple of Jesus isn't sinlessness, it's sin consciousness. We become aware of the brokenness that's between us and God and us and each other. And this is why I say so often, like we need to get in biblical community. We need to get in a small group. I, got, I need the guys who, who are in my small group. Like I, I need to be transparent with them. Like if you're, you're in a small group and you feel like, hey, you, I, 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 just, I, I don't know if I can, I can go there. I don't know if I can like, be really transparent. Like Take that risk. Like these, these guys that I'm, I'm walking alongside of and they're walking alongside of me, like, like the last few weeks, like I've had to go to them. I'm like, guys, I, I need you. I need you to hold me accountable with this junk that's going on in our denomination. It's just it's filling me with anger and rage. Like, and I just, I, I go into some of these meetings sometimes and I'm, I'm like, I'm sarcastic. I don't want to be like this. I need you guys to, to pray for me. And I need you guys to, to ask me before you, I'm telling you, whenever I'm going into every one of these meetings, I need you to text me before I go into that meeting and say, Chris, I'm praying for you. 
I'm praying that, that you'll have the, the fruit of the Spirit in your, in your life in the way that you're dealing with these very difficult situations. I mean, and, and so like, it's so important for all of us to have those kind of people in our lives who actually speak the truth to us, the hard truth, the things maybe we don't want to hear, but we desperately need to hear them so we can run to the light. So really, I, I think one of the, the, the great signs of maturity in, in, in Jesus' followers is this kind of this deep abiding brokenness of sin. Oh, what did I do today? Oh, the attitude of my heart. The things I didn't say that I know I should have said. But instead of sitting in that brokenness, I think what we do is we're, we're looking for a way out. I think we ask the wrong question. What can I get away with? That's the question we ask, whether we say it like that or not. You know, kind of, it reminds me of my dog, Duke, and I think I shared this story with you before. So Duke was a black lab. Loved that dog. Just an incredible dog. So the house we lived in, there was some woods behind us, and we had this fence up, and so we let Duke out to do his business, right? But every once in a while, you know, he'd go along the, the fence line, right? He, he's looking for a way to the other side. Right? He's a black lab. He's, he's on the hunt. He's got the, snu- the sniff or whatever, you know, you get the whiff of, of a squirrel or rabbit or whatever, and he wants to go. So he's looking to go over or under or through or whatever, and every once in a while, he would get out, right? That's not where we wanted him as a family. We wanted him, yeah, we wanted him to go out and do his business, but where do we want him really? We want him inside the house with us, up on the couch, cuddling up with him, in deep relationship with him because he loves us and we love him. Like, that's, that's what we want. And I think that's what God wants from us. Right? We, that fence is there to protect him so he doesn't go over into the, into, the, uh, into the yard of somebody else or onto the street or whatever, right? And so God puts these things around us to protect us, but we're like, we're running the edge. We're like, what can I get away with? How far can I go with my boyfriend or girlfriend? What can I get away with? Right? It's the wrong question. The right question is, how quickly can I get back into my Heavenly Father's arms? Right? And, and so the, the great joy for us is that our, our sin is forgiven by Jesus. And so that, sh- that should compel us to run to Jesus, to run to the light. Right? But he's saying, look, if, if we, we claim hey, we don't sin, then, then we're making God out to be a liar. But here's the thing, I, I, I'm willing to guess that none of us be like, hey man, I gave my life to Jesus and since that, I've, I've never sinned since then. Hey, I don't think anybody's going to say that. But what do we say? You're like, well, I'm a good person. Hey, at least I'm not like Sean Fry. Whew. Like if you knew that guy, like, you know, my sins are nothing compared to him. Sorry, Sean. We went to high school together. <laughs> Move on, right? <laughs> Right? And so we, we start comparing ourselves because we want to feel good about ourselves. Right? And, and so like, and he's like, no, no, no. Like, you got to realize right, that when you start deceiving yourself in that way, when you start trying to justify your respectable sins, right, you're deceiving yourselves. You're, you're lying. You're, you're actually you're calling God a liar. Right? I mean, it just, and I don't think any of us want to do that. And so we're caught in the middle, like, hey, we've got this forgiveness from God. Yes, thank you. Woohoo! Right? But then we got this sin, like, ah. Oh. And we, this is where we walk in our everyday, ordinary life. And we have a choice. We can run towards the darkness or we can run towards the light. And what are we going to do? 
You know, and, and the implication of saying, hey, I, I'm not that bad, or at least I'm not as bad as this other person or that other person or whatever, is like what, what we're saying is that, that God was wrong in sending Jesus as the atoning sacrifice of our sins. And we're going to talk about the atoning sacrifice next week. Like it, it was unnecessary for Jesus to go to the cross. He didn't need to die because on our own, hey, we're good enough, or at least not bad, as bad as somebody else. We don't need his, his life. We don't need his death. We don't need his resurrection. God, get it wrong. I don't think any of us want to say that. So we need to own it. We need to own the, the brokenness in our lives so that we can run to the light. And so ultimately, like, what, what does all this mean for us? So, so I want to go back to verses 6 and 7 for a minute as we wrap up. So we see in verses 6 and 7 the, the word fellowship, right? And, and we wrote last week in a, kind of a, in the side of our Bibles, koinonia. And so if, if you've got your Bibles, verses 6 and 7, right, circled the word fellowship. It's, it's there two times, right? And so back, bad news, good news, right? So the bad news is found in verse 6. It, and it shows what destroys fellowship, right? Walking in darkness destroys fellowship between us and God and us, like one another. So off to the side of your Bible, right, destroys. Next to verse 6. And then the, the, the good news, the great news in verse 6 is it shows what preserves fellowship, walking in the light. So you can write that word preserves down below verse 7. Right? And, and so like, and I think, what else is he saying here? He's talking about walking. Like when, he, when, when John, we're going to see this throughout this letter, he's, when he's talking about walking, you can circle that word walk, and you can write beside it life. He's talking about your life and my life. It's, it's how we live our everyday, ordinary lives. It's, it's one thing to read this and get it into our head, memorize it, which is great. But he's talking about, like, come on. When you walk out of this room, what are you going to do? When you, when you go to graduation parties today, and whenever you go to work on Monday, and whenever you're dealing with whatever in your life, what are you going to do? It's our everyday, ordinary life. He talks about this light. And, and when I think about light and God's word, I, I think of Psalm 119, verse 105, where it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Are we walking in light or are we walking in darkness? You know, and, and so John is really putting out this dichotomy, right, about what destroys and what preserves. And what destroys a marriage is, is living outside of God's word. What, what destroys our, our singleness is living outside of God's word. What, what destroys our kids' lives and our students' lives is living outside of the, the word. What, what destroys you know, our, our church and our denomination is, is living outside of God's word. But on the other side, John's like, look, what, what preserves your marriage is when you're like, okay, I'm a husband, I'm a wife. Like, what does God say is my role, my responsibility as a biblical husband and wife? What's, what's God say that's, that's my role as a single person? Right? How, do, how, how do I preserve my singleness? What, well, how do I preserve my, my family and, and raise my kids and my students up in a, in a way that's so different from what culture is, uh, is just throwing at our, our kids and our students? Like we, we, we look to God's word and we live it. We live it. How do we become a, a, a healthy God, gospel-centered church? We look to God's word 
live it. And so just let, let me implore you to run to the light in your marriage and in your singleness and with raising your kids and your students and run to the light as we, we walk this path together as, a, as disciples of Jesus in, in our church. Right, run to the light as, as a single person. Find some time this week. And just the reality of who we are apart from God and what this world is trying to, to dump on us. And, and open up God's word. Begin to let it penetrate into the, the, the darkness and, and, and bring the, the light. And that might mean that you just you, you need to get up five minutes earlier in the morning. You, just, you need to sit just quietly alone with God and allow him to begin to soften your heart and your mind and your soul. That you begin to, to cry out, God, would you please forgive me? You, got, you cry out, God, I, I, I want to, to know the, the weight of, of what you bore on the cross so I can just be so filled with joy for what you've done for me and for rescuing me out of that darkness just fill you with such gratitude that whenever you begin to, to go out from for your day you, you know God is with you he never leaves you and he never forsakes you he's right there with you and you cling to him as you run to his light let's pray oh gracious God oh what you have done for us in Jesus would you just overwhelm us with the reality of all that Jesus has done for us in satisfying your wrath. God, we, we don't want to call you a liar. We don't want to say that the cross is, was unnecessary. But unintentionally, or, or maybe intentionally, we, we, we downplay our sin. We, we compare ourselves to other people. Father, as, as we walk through this, this letter, God, would you, would you move in us and reveal your truth to us in, in such real and powerful ways, and that, that we would come alongside of you, and that you would conform us, you would shape us and, and mold us to be the people you've declared us to be in Jesus, your son, your sons and your daughters instead of running the fence line looking for what we can get away with, that we run to you and to your loving arms and to your embrace. We get as close to you as we can because we know you love us. That's how we declare that we love you. God, you are so good. We honor you and praise you for who you are. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,